The Feminine Integral, an exploration about integral theory and practice. What is the feminine perspective? Where can we bring in more feminine energy into what was born as theory? Raquel Torrent and Heidi Hernline both engaged in the integral community for many years. Hello, everybody. I'm Heidi Hernline. And I'm here with Raquel Torrent. I'm in Italy, she is in Spain. And today we would like to talk a little bit about the feminine in integral. And I wonder, Raquel, first hello, and if you would like to say some words to that. Mm-hmm. Hello, Heidi. Uh, it's very good that we are here together this morning. And uh, I love that topic because it has to do with some very interesting thing that is not very much used or talked about in integral, which is the types. The types in integral, feminine and masculine, that we could see it like from energy, the energy point of view, is not very well seen. And it's even, the integral movement is even said that is very masculine. So that's why I love to talk about the feminine today. Wonderful, Raquel. And I think we might explain a little bit what we mean by integral and integral movement because we cannot pretend that everybody who might listen to these, our talks, is familiar with that. So would you like to say something about integral, about integral movement? You You are having a big part in it, at least in the European integral movement, and I know that you are very often in America to join the mothership, let's say. <laughs> well, I, I love to say that I, I am a personal friend of Ken Wilber himself, because he is, you know, from the very first time I read his books, like 26-something years ago. I, I felt in love with the, the, the words, with the soul and the heart of that man. And uh, and I said, I have to meet him. I have to go to the United States and meet him. And thank God, I, I went four times to see him and be with him. And um, who is him? Well, Ken Wilber is the founder of the integral movement. Because, well, one day I was saying that... Um, Ken Wilber said one day that it's very important to differentiate between, so that we know this difference, between integral movement, integral consciousness, integral movement, and integral theory. So, first of all, is to recognize the integral consciousness. If we see right now the movement in the world, you know, that the people which is moving their consciousness, it seems that there is a real opening towards something bigger so uh, and something even deeper, I would say. And we recognize that even in, in advertising. Wouldn't you say that you see like a high, higher consciousness, let's say, in some advertising ads? Heidi? I think. Yeah, I think at the moment as everybody is talking about higher consciousness and so on, you know, it's it's very fashionable 
many movements around, many people try a lot of things. But I think the difference between those and people who are involved in integral movement is that we, in integral, we have a roadmap, thanks to Ken Wilber. We can have a certain discernment of what is going on and what higher consciousness means, first of all, and how it can uh, manifest. And I think your question, if I notice this, I think yes, I can answer yes. Because it's true that in many, many instances, you know, in, in teachings, in, like I say, publicity, and even in politics, it seems that there is, even, even in the enterprise now that I am working with people in enterprise, different organizations, and they are already talking about the soul of the organization. So it, it seems that even the terminology is getting into the uh, mainstream. So that means that it is true that there is some kind of a, a higher consciousness. So that's what Ken says it's the integral consciousness, which, you know, belongs to everyone, to all humanity, and that is really moving uh, among the people. We, we as humanity are really going to a higher level, toward a higher level of consciousness. Then the integral theory is the theory he created, which, as you well know, is known as aqual, aqual, which means all quadrants, all levels of what? Of reality. Huh? So it's to see reality from all perspectives, all possible perspectives. Those are called the quadrants, which, you know, you know very well, so that the people which is listening can also understand the individual and the collective, the inner and the outer. You know? That's the four quadrants. And then all the levels of consciousness. Right? Because it's not the same to be in the level of a baby than in the level of an infant, than in the level of a teenager, or the level of a young person, or a level of a mature person. So there are different levels of consciousness, and this is what Ken Wilber has developed very well to see reality. And then the third, tell me, Heidi. I wanted to say that this sounds now very theoretical, and we just throw it out, these words. But our aim is to bring into them experience and living flesh, because... As you said before, this is more a masculine way to talk about theory, to talk about theoretical things and structures and so on, which is needed. But we would like, in the sequence of our calls, to really bring it down to earth, embody, help you to really understand what that means. But just, you know, in the beginning, we need to name these concepts, and then slowly we will fill them up with meat. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the way you put it, Heidi, because it's precisely, that's also, it's very, very feminine. Because if you understand what we are doing, it seems masculine, but at the same time, what you are saying is precisely that we need to first create the container. To First, we need to create like the uterus in which then something is put inside, which is going to grow. 
at. So it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and this is, this is funny that you say the container because you can understand it as a theoretical container, as I understand that you mean it now, that you give the theoretical framework and working with transformational psychology and coaching, the container is perceived as a safe place where you can be yourself and where you can explore yourself. So we are talking here from the inside you said quadrants, the inside things, you know, like me, myself, in me, and I'm in a community. And you were talking more from the theoretical side than from the outside, from the external. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is exactly what the integral is. We have the tendency to only see things either from the outside or from the inside. But we need to see them from all perspectives from inside and from outside. And then also from my individual inside, you know, what is going on really in me. And then also what is going on in the group where we are in, for mm -hmm. instance. So it is also the, the singular and the plural, me as a my my being and many people or one opinion, one one theory and then how it is expressed in in, in a structure, let's say. So all these things create or constitute the idea of integral. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Then the third, the third difference will be the integral movement. Huh? So all these people which are recognizing what is the integral theory, which recognize already that, oh, I, I have always been uh, working in the levels of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, and I have always been uh, very conscious of them. Okay, then that person is really integral, and they didn't know it. Now they can put words to it. Now they have the terminology to be able to express all these points, of all these uh, angles of reality, because of the integral theory, which that's what it provides. It's like a pair of glasses to see reality, okay? So then all these people which are in this consciousness of the integral theory, when they get together, they create the integral movement. Plus, plus other people which also, even though they are not following 100% or are very knowledgeable of integral theory from Ken Wilber, Maybe they are also integral in their consciousness. They will also be part of the integral movement. We could put them inside, let's say, of the integral movement. So I thought that Ken was very, very right when he said in that interview the difference between integral consciousness, integral theory, and integral movement. In the integral movement, there are many people who have discovered for instance, Ken River, as you say, and this roadmap that she gives, or also have discovered that they are approaching the world, their own life, and their maybe their businesses, and the world view they have is different of the normal, say normal world view, and they felt quite alone, and then they discover, oh, there are other people who think like me. Yeah. And then you come together and say, oh, I thought 
I'm sort of crazy because all people around me see the world in a different way and then you find out that there are people who see it in your way and when you even find out then the theory about it, this is a big, big, big help to, to get oriented. Where am I now? And then from there you can also see all the steps you have done so far to arrive where you are now. And for me it was a big, big, big thing to understand it. I came to Ken Wilber's box, I think it was 1996 or 1997, and I was blown away. I thought, oh, that's right. There were so many things in the world, in my personal world and outside world, which I just didn't understand. I thought, it's crazy. How can it be like this, like this? And everybody claims they are right, and Probably when I listen to them carefully, to one party, I think they are right. And I listen to another party, I think, oh, they are right too. But how does that fit together? You know? And as we are talking from about feminine and masculine, one, can I tell you how, how it was for me, where this big sure. insight? When I read Up From Eden, the book which came out, I think, in the early 90s, I guess, because I read it in the German translation in 97, so it, I think it's early 90s. And there was a chapter about women and men. And I found out that the world, I, I always thought we are dominated and the men are bad, you know. And we are good. Women, yeah, and we are always oppressed and we have to fight against our oppressors. This was a little bit in the feminine uh, movement, a little bit this idea and I sort of adhere to it. And then he said, no, women would be sheep if they, I mean, if half of the population, which are women, would really submit themselves to the other half of the population. It's, it's not like that. It is that there was an agreement to do that, first of all. And the other most important thing was that before there were many feminine deities, deities, okay, and then came the time where the masculine deities arrived. And normal transformation, this was a transformation from one period of development to the next period of development. And normally transformation happens by pushing back what was before. Mm -hmm. Be free to enter into the new perspective, let's say. And then later to integrate. So what happened when the masculine deities arrived? Feminine deities were pushed away. You know, it is old-fashioned, we don't do that anymore. I mean, we do it all the time, these things, now that we dismiss, push away the things we were fond of before. So, the remember, drama... Remember, excuse me, uh, Heidi, do you remember how Ken calls that? He says that that's transcend and include. Afterwards, yeah, and this, I want to come to that. What was the main thing that feminine and this is really our topic here. Feminine was equal, was considered equal with woman. Mm -hmm. And so repressing the feminine deities, automatically the women were put down uh, into the cellar. 
because it was an opposition against the feminine. And as they were the same, considered the same as a woman, so every woman was sort of bad, <laughs> you know, because the, the feminine deities were not up to date anymore. And so even women themselves agreed on that, you know, when mm -hmm. they, they all entered into this new, into this new wave of development. Mm -hmm. And so women did their part to suppress themselves by that. And mm -hmm. only because of this, let's say, misunderstanding between feminine, feminine and female. Mm -hmm. That's right. For me, this was a big eye-opening, you know. That, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And then what it happens is that, to me, it was very interesting to see how, unfortunately, when this was going on, like you say, women arrived to make the contrary movement of that when they recognized oh we are oppressed they didn't recognize this we agreed to this and now it has arrived the time to change this agreement and to make a new negotiation with this we had to fight for this because instead of recognizing that it was a new negotiation we took it, and, and because of the strength of men, and men forgetting also that it was a negotiation at the beginning, uh, and a choosing of, of both parties, what they did was to fight. They had to fight because men had forgotten, and they were dominating, as they are still <laughs> in many instances, they were dominating the world of everything, politics, family, society, economics, I mean, everything, even the art. Remember that the feminine in the art was suppressed completely, you know. Women used to paint, okay, and they didn't even were recognized or, you know, in any other artistic uh, show. And the men which were feminine were uh, suppressed also as queers or, or homosexuals or they were also dismissed from the masculine style of life. So I remember when I recognized this uh, movement of the, you know, the English suffragists that they started to really fight against this masculine power, I said, this is so needed in a way but from the energetical point of way uh, of, uh, of seeing it, like what we are talking now, the feminine, is so, so disgusting. Because even though in the external, you see this analysis now that we can do, as we said, the external and the internal, from the external was absolutely needed what they did. And me as a woman, I am absolutely thankful to what they did. Because if they wouldn't have done that, we couldn't vote today, we couldn't have equality on work, uh, we couldn't be in so many places in society that now we can, we're talking about Western women for sure, because there are many places in the world we cannot forget the lower quadrants, which is societies and culture which are not liberated 
still the women are not liberated so we are talking here about the western world so but imagine this idea Heidi of um, you remember the scent um, what was it um, oh goodness now I forgot this the, the name of the Minotaur because I was thinking in Centaur no it's the Minotaur from uh, Minos Minotaur the Minotaurus was in the center of this labyrinth, remember? And then Ariadna, Ariadna, which was the princess, uh, she was surely uh, very in love with the guy, which was the hero, was, uh, I don't remember the name of the guy. Uh, he gets there and wants to marry the princess. And the king says, no, no. You will not marry the princess unless you kill the Minotaur, which is, you know, we have been able to get him into one labyrinth, and now it's not so frightening for the population. But you have to kill him, because if not, we will be frightened that he may go out from the labyrinth one day. So Ariadna gave him a thread so that he could not get lost in the middle of the labyrinth and get and kill the Minotaur, which the guy did. Following this same metaphor, the symbolism of that, when from the energetic point of view that we are talking about, imagine what happened. Instead of Ariadna, which is the feminine, the feminine consciousness, staying outside, to direct with the thread, which is the thread of consciousness, which has to do with the feminine insights, the feminine energy, which is absolutely like coming from above, let's say, that very connected to the spirituality, very connected with the intuition. This is the thread of femininity, you know, in the in the sense of uh, the feminine in, in men, when a man opens up to this thread of life, then is absolutely, you know, incarnating, uh, embodying the feminine energy. But what happens in those moments that the feminine energy, in this case, still, like you said before, aligned with the idea of Feminine is women, which is a wrong idea. What did they do, those women? Enter inside of the labyrinth with the men, which at the same time were also thought as to being related with masculine energy. So masculine energy, men. No. So what happened that at the end, Masculine and feminine are inside of the labyrinth, and what happens? That they are both lost. <laughs> and this is what is going on right now, that men are kind of lost. Because women have lost, they have masculinized. They have got into this attitude of, I have to be like the man to be able to be successful. Yeah, I I think it is it is so true, but it is also so normal that when you fight against something which you think is of 
somebody has oppressed you, then you have the idea that something else, you are not right, something else is right. I, to bring it back to the women, when the women think they are undervalued, they are oppressed and they don't have a, a good position in life and men have everything. You know, they are out and they can do this and they can do that, but we cannot do. So the natural, not the very wise reaction, but the natural reaction is, I want to be like a man. Mm-hmm. And it has been, I think, in, in also in the past centuries, they have tried, but they couldn't. You know, the suffragettes, for instance, I mean, they behaved like a man and they had to. Because this was the only language which was perceivable in society. Mm-hmm. You know, the feminine language, probably women have tried for a long time to get themselves heard, but they wouldn't be heard with their language. They had to go out with the language of the time which was appropriate, otherwise they wouldn't have been heard. Mm-hmm. So when I relate it back to my own history, when I grew up, I had elder brothers, and I thought, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm a woman. I don't want to be a woman. I want to be, you know, they can do everything. They can climb up on the top of the tree and I'm not allowed to do this. And so many things that seem very bad to be a girl instead, you know. So I tried to dress like a, a man. I had the jackets on and even a tie and or I really tried to oppress my femininity. And I see many women do as soon, or at least did, they went and tried to get into the work world. They tried to adapt to the male world, let's say, and by oppressing their femininity, by giving up their femininity. And what they did, instead of diminishing the overwhelm of masculine energy in the world, by becoming themselves more masculine, they even increased. Than the man. <laughs> so it is now, I think, only for a few years that women, we women, begin to understand that the masculine way which we have gone so far is not the way, neither for ourselves, because many women are bled out by being in a surrounding and trying to do things in a way which is not appropriate for, for them. Mm-hmm. their own qualities, you know. And we don't do a very good job for ourselves and we don't do a good job for the whole world when we increase masculinity, let's say, and instead of working on counterbalancing. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even I would say that this is what we were talking before about the inner and the outer. It's so important that and this is the integral view, precisely, what we are talking about, to say and recognize what you say, that even though it was not a right, let's say, talking about right and wrong, it was not a right movement regarding the inner. Yes, it was a right movement, a natural, like you said, movement regarding the outer. Because in the outer world, it was absolutely necessary to do that. That's why I say that, like a woman, I thank the suffragists very much that they fight it for me. But what happens that then they forgot, they, they lost the connection with their inner, 
femininity. And it's not only they, that's also us. At least from my experience, I really was sort of masculine in my ways of being, always living in the head for a long time. I did singing, and this was a sort of anchor. It was a, <laughs> how do you say, an SOS boat <laughs> for me. <laughs> To keep me at least a little bit in the in a feminine artistic and connection with myself, you know. Yeah. If I hadn't done that and only went on on university, maybe which I could have done, but I didn't. I probably would have been eaten up by the masculine energy because my feminine energy would have so much suffered. I'm sure I wouldn't be here anymore because it is when you really get into the recognition. What you are doing to you when you negate this part of you, which is essential to you, then it is it's destructive. I mean, it would be the same thing for men. If they gave up their masculinity, and some try to do that for pleasing women, which is really not a good idea, and become only feminine, well, this is, this is what happened, Heidi, if you remember in the times of the hippie movement, uh, the 60s and 70s, when the hippie movement came, which were the, the start of the boomers, okay, what happened? That the, the change, the real paradigm change was so strong that men thought that the way to make the big change was to then get their consciousness in their femininity. The, the consciousness of the change from being macho man to being very feminine. And then what happened? That we had these men which were not using their masculinity at all. And we had make love and make peace. And it was, they were taking care of the kids and they were doing wonderful things which was very good for their anchoring of their feminine part very good but they denied their masculine part i don't think it's so much the question of the 68 uh, people who did this movement movement it's much more the problem of younger men who were educated by feminist women who repressed them really they were completely against men you know and they really saw men as their enemies. And when they happen to have a son, then they try to kick out of him all the masculine energy. And poor guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very right. That's also a very good point. Yes, yes, absolutely. The, the main uh, problem younger men have, because the older men were still grown in, the now older men, were grown in the real patriarchic times, so they had it inside in their education, inside their habits, you know, this masculine way of being. But the younger ones, not. Often they were, they grew up without fathers, you know, they had only women who tried to kick out of them all masculinity. And I have read a study by Warren Fowler, no, where he also speaks about that. And <laughs> This is very interesting. Excuse me, because oh, this uh, I have seen all this movement always from the lower right quadrant, and I was talking about it from the lower right quadrant, which is society, 
and the movement and the structures of society. And you are explaining now this reality from the lower left quadrant, which is very interesting and I hadn't seen it before like that. So thank you very much for letting me see it also from this perspective of the lower left quadrant, because my analysis used to be in this regard from the lower right quadrant. I was looking at it only like from movement, structures of society, change of, you know, uh, ways of development of humanity. But yes, you are talking from the group, from the family point of view, from what happened with those, you know, developments of the mothers and fathers which were creating that child, no, were, were helping that child to be in the new world. Because they were feminist, feminist mothers, that's what you say. It's so fantastic. Thank you very much, Heidi. Yes, yes. Yeah, very. I'm very much around on the left-hand side of the quadrant, so in the interiors. I'm also on the right. Now, I mean, I was before only on the right, only looking from outside. And now I'm, this is part of my development, you know. I have looked very much inside by doing these transformational Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it comes to me more natural now to see it from this side. And I see we still, even women, we still have a lack on viewing things from this side. And this is exactly why we come together, because we both see, and not only we both, also other women see, that in the integral movement there is still a big, 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 Bias. There is still male masculine ways of prevailing. And it begins, for instance, in the conferences. Who speaks up? Let's say 70, 80% men and 20, maximum 30% women. You know, when, when somebody can ask questions, normally it would be a man. Not exclusively, but normally. You can really see the difference. In the boards, for instance, normally there are more men, less women. So we have still this, let's say, hesitation of women to, or let's say also a sort of inability to find the right place. We try to bring femininity into our surroundings, like we talk here in our integral movement, and we don't really know how to do it because we have sort of lost the knowledge, what it is. So what I think, we first need to rediscover femininity for ourselves because we, our imprinting is from the emancipation movement, you know, mm -hmm. all against men, men are bad and we are good and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and undervaluing men and seeing them as enemy. We have done this for 40 years or 50 years now and it's now time to come back and see that we cannot define femininity as opposition to masculinity. <laughs> to Absolutely. Masculinity. Oh, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Can you imagine what you just said brought me to a moment of real sensitivity when I cried. I remember I cried one day when I recognized precisely the mistreatment of men from side of women. 
how alone men have to feel whenever they are they don't have that thread of femininity guiding them and you know poor men poor men really they often are really, really mistreated by women. Mistreated, really. absolutely. Yeah. Only, you know, normally they are not beaten physically, but they are beaten psychologically. We women, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. In the past, we women have developed a way of our ego, you know, so we have developed a way of manipulate. Yes, and find a way, and we, many of us, become very good in that up yeah. to the point that we hardly ever notice it for yes. me it was a big 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 insight when I understood what I was really doing I mean not only with men you begin to manipulate everybody you know around you for instance a very simple example was when I studied linguistics there was um, what you say but it doesn't mean what you say. For instance, if I say, oh, it's really cold here, you mean, could you go and close this door? <laughs> Something like this. Yeah. And then I noticed, in the connection with a friend, a woman friend, how she did that. She said, oh, I think you would like to do that or to do that. And I always felt awkward, you know. And when I realized how these things work, then I said, I got all my courage together and said, no, I wouldn't like to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so just a, it's an example for, for how we have used manipulation without even noticing it. <laughs> I now sort of notice it, but I see that many women still don't. You know, I'm together with women who are, you know, normal people around there, not in a movement or not especially conscious. And it is a normal way of being in the world. Also pretending that the other person knows what you want. Yeah. This is already a manipulation. That's, and that's, be, that's another yeah. way. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are angry if the other person doesn't do what you want and you haven't even told him what you want. You know? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Heidi, I think with this you are introducing something that I believe that could be like the end up of our today talk and the, and putting like the basement, like the foundations for our next talk because in reality we are talking about the difference between stereotypes and archetypes, you know, of the feminine and the masculine, right? Because surely, if we are talking about the, the feminine, they're also in reality recognizing what is the masculine as well. Because we cannot talk about the feminine only without relating it also with the masculine. So you have introduced precisely this interesting theme of stereotypes and archetypes and what are the difference, you know, regarding femininity. What is the feminine archetype? What is a feminine uh, stereotypes, which is different to understand. So if you agree, we can leave that as uh, our theme for the next talk. And we, for today. Huh? It's fine. So, yeah.
Wonderful. And talk also about not only the stereotypes, how they are, but how they are expressing themselves in our lives. Yes. This is yes. The feminine approach. <laughs> <laughs> not only talk about, but no. having more plastic in, integrated in the, in the life. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you. Bye-bye.